We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Radio host down in Orlando. He's the Orlando Magic pregame radio host. Also does the Fantasy Bites pod for us here at Rotowire. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, Brandon, this has been a long time in the works. We were hoping to have you on last week. Uh, there happened to be a hurricane moving through Florida. So we had to push it to this week, but uh, really glad to have you on the show. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, thank you. And it, it truly is an honor to be here. Uh, I, I anticipated losing power because we were, we were in communication the hurricane was kind of bearing down on the state. And the last one that we had, which was a little bit worse for our, our area, Hurricane Ian, uh, we, we, I lost power for th- about four days. And so Jeez. I just kind of knew you just have to like blow out all of your plans. And I did. We did lose power because of this hurricane, yeah. but it was it was only for uh, about half a day. So it wasn't that bad, but yeah, glad that well, we can make it work. Yeah, it turned out to be the right decision, I think, to push it to this week. I, I'm up here in Wisconsin. We don't have to worry about hurricanes whatsoever. Uh, but the trade-off, I guess, is you guys don't have, you know, three inches of snow on the ground right now like we do. That is correct. It is. Actually, today, it's a little chilly. This is For us, it's pretty cold. It's in the 50s today. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I'm I so, so sorry. I'm actually heading up, to, uh, I'm heading up to Green Bay tonight for the game and uh, packing very heavy for that one. Going uh, to be like a three-layer sock type of situation tonight. Wow. But, um, Let's, let's talk about the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, first of all, but before we do that, though, I do want to just do a little background on you. Like, how long have you been uh, d- doing pregame for Orlando? How did you get into it? Were, you know, are you a lifelong Magic fan? So I'm not a lifelong Magic fan. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and the Bullets had already moved to D.C., so I didn't really grow up. And in terms of, like, those first few formative years, I wasn't an NBA fan right out of the gate. And then when I was seven, my family moved us down to South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area. It was about an hour plus north of where the Heat played. So I didn't quite attach myself 
to the heat because I didn't go to very many games. I probably went to two growing up um, and I grew up in the 90s. So like every other kid, I was a Jordan fan, which meant I liked the Bulls. So I sort of my indoctrination to the NBA was mid 90s. Follow the stars after Jordan retired. It was Allen Iverson. And it wasn't until I moved up to Orlando in 2003 to go to UCF. And then I started attending Magic Games. And that's when fandom started to like the first time I actually cheered for a team, no matter what player was on that squad. It took me quite a while, which is different from other sports fandoms. But I think a lot of NBA fans can kind of relate to that because it's such a star driven league that growing up, a lot of kids, I see it now at the Amway Center because it's such a transient town. When the Warriors come to town, I'm like, I didn't know there were this many people from San Francisco mm -hmm. in the Orlando area. So um, I started working with the team in 2018 is when I was brought on as the pregame halftime and postgame host on the official radio broadcast. And that was actually right when things started to turn around with Nick Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and uh, Steve Clifford did a tremendous job co coaching up a team that uh, maybe – you know, I was overperforming what their talent level was. And so that was a fun ride. And I've been with them ever since. Yeah. I'm thinking about that fabled 2018, 19, uh, Orlando magic team. Was that the one that took game one off the Raptors in the first round? Yeah. And then the very next year took game one off the Milwaukee bucks. So yes, that was like, right. That, uh, yes. I remember that so vividly DJ Augustine in that, uh, series against the Raptors yep. was, uh, that at least in that first game, he had a big shot at the end. It was, mm -hmm. yeah, we were ecstatic here. And, and of course, you know, that first year when they won that game, we're like, maybe they can surprise somebody. And, <laughs> well, and the, Raptors had, the Raptors had had so many high profile, you know, fails in the playoffs at that point. Right. Like, that was right when they, I think DeRozan was still on the team. They were coming off of like getting smacked around by LeBron four straight years. It was conceivable. <laughs> right right and uh that that was a tough raptors team i mean yeah just being able when, when i first started i'm in a different seat now at the amway center but when i first started i was right down on the floor for all of the games for the first couple of seasons now i'm up in the club level it's a much comfier seat but, the, but you don't have quite the same view in yeah. terms of just the physicality you, what you're able to judge different sitting courtside you know you don't have the bird's eye view but what you can see is the physicality that some teams bring are just far superior than others around the league. And teams like Milwaukee, and oddly enough, it was those two teams that the Magic met back-to-back -back years in the playoffs. Milwaukee and Toronto could just physical you out of the building. Yeah. And those teams, and, and I think it's becoming more of a norm in the league that those teams are having a lot of success because there's so much finesse in the NBA right now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, watching Milwaukee, especially early, those first few games of the year. I mean, the way that Giannis and a healthy Brooke Lopez are just bullying guys night to night. Um, so how much access are you getting, you know, to the team now? Are, are you doing, you know, kind of the the Sunday night football style, like pregame meetings? Do you, do you talk with coaches? Do you talk with players between games? Um, and if so, like who have been your favorite guys to interact with on this roster? So for me, because I have a, a, a daily radio show from 3 to 6 p.m., and I, I do some other stuff over the weekend for a fantasy football show that I do on the station, plus everything I've got going on at Rotowire. I have to right. be sort of uh, diligent with my time, and I'm not able to make things like shoot arounds and, you know, that, those sort of um, th those chances throughout the course of the season to kind of get to know the guys. So for me, as far as player interaction, it's more intermittent throughout the course of the season. A lot of that is in the preseason when I'm going to practice when I'm at media day and I get to sit down with everybody. So 
yeah, I don't have the daily access just because my schedule schedule doesn't warrant that, but I'm around the team in some way, shape or form um, multiple days in the week. And as far as like the favorite, my favorites, this group, that's the thing that I, I love about them the most is there's so many likable players on this team. It's they're, they're easy guys to cheer for. Cole Anthony, you talk to him, you feel like you've been best friends with him for years. Markel Fultz is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, who else really stands out to me? Uh, Jalen Suggs is like, you talk to him, he's, he's a super focused guy. He's very serious. Um, and I just could have sort of like that demeanor. Uh, he, he comes off as someone that like is not going to be uh, taken advantage of or, or bullied. You know, he's kind of just yeah. locked in and focused. So everybody has their own unique personality. Wendell Carter kind of soft spoken. He, he is in person what he is out on the basketball court, a little bit unassuming, but um, is still an impressive individual. So we're at the 14 game mark right now, about 15% of the way through the 82 game schedule. Orlando's four and 10. I, I don't think that's shocking necessarily, it, you know, kind of right in that zone. You know, the teams below them, Charlotte, Detroit, you know, right about what we expected. Um, what, what is Orlando's goal this season? Obviously you had the number one pick last year. We, we know there's a, a major, major prize at the top of the 2023 draft. Like is, is there talk around the organization of, eh, you know, we're okay if we get another top three pick or, are they hoping that as the season goes along, they're a little bit more competitive? So I'm really glad that we, uh, it, it, I think this worked out serendipitously, Nick, because if we had this conversation a week ago, I probably have a different tune. I feel like the alarm bells are going off for me and the way that some of the things have been handled in terms of my perception. I, this isn't me reporting anything. Um, I don't know exactly what the mis mission is as of today, as we are recording this right now, but I know that going into the season in talking with general manager, John Hammond uh, and president of basketball ops, Jeff Weltman, both said it's time to go for it. It's time to level up was the term that they would use on a regular basis, that it was time to, to try and, and see if the group that they assembled can win basketball games, build a winning culture, and then go from there. They had said even prior to last off season through free agency that they were going to be a little bit patient. So we kind of knew that they weren't going to spend much um, and that bringing back the, the core guys like Gary Harris and Mo Bamba, like that was a possibility and that if they could possibly go for broke if they liked the way that this roster played throughout the course of the season. So this was from the way it was framed to me, sort of a test case year, uh, year. Let's see how well these guys can gel together and win. Hopefully we can accomplish more than what we expect but we've got to try and accomplish something so that we know what we need to do next off season so that to me felt like a team that was finally pointed in the right direction mm -hmm. i'm all for whatever you want to term it tanking rebuilding like that is necessary in the nba but you don't want to get stuck there and do it every year because then you just become you know the kings and the rockets and and for a lot of people though i guess the magic would be in that category but but these last couple of games have been mystifying to me because they need bodies. They yeah. need bodies, and they're not throwing those bodies out there. Paolo Bencaro rolled his ankle a couple of games ago. Uh, he's, he's missed four games with a rolled ankle. I mean, we see guys bounce back from that a whole lot quicker. Um, yep. So that one is a, is a little bit confusing, especially when you go up against a team in Minnesota that has all this size. You kind of need a guy like that out on the floor. Had some success against uh, the Mavs and the Suns without him, but you know that that's not sustainable. Uh, a guy like Gary Harris. I watch Gary Harris warm up before every single game. He looks fit and ready to go to me. And yeah, I, I don't know if they have different criteria or what the deal is with that. Um, 
Markel Fultz gotta, gotta, gotta his... get Caleb Houston those minutes, you know. Well, <laughs> Caleb, I like the way Caleb Houston could shoot. He looks but good. yeah, I mean that's the thing that in and, and RJ Hampton, I think RJ Hampton is he's in the lineup. I think he's playing really well when he's given minutes, but you've got guys like uh Kavon Harris that are getting minutes over him. It's just yep. some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. And it, it does raise some alarm bells because I I don't think that they already got the first overall pick. You don't want to get caught with your hand in the cookie right. jar here. And so I think it's time to kind of put the best foot forward. I agree. I, I think they might be trying to do that. I, I just think they're in a, they're actually in a really advantageous spot because they're clearly below teams like, uh, you know, Chicago and the Knicks in the East that have enough talent to definitely stay out of the bottom, but obviously not nearly enough talent to contend uh, for right. winning a playoff series. Whereas I, I think teams like Orlando, Detroit, and Houston, those are the three that come to mind. They could play their young guys. Like Bancaro, when he's healthy, he's going to play 35 minutes a night. You could play Suggs. You could play Wagner. Like you don't have to go full OKC, you know, dramatic tanking over the second half of the season. I think you could just play it out and you're going to, you're going to inherently develop these guys and you're still going to lose enough games that you're very much in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. Like I, I think if you're Orlando, you got to look at this objectively. And, and when you say, you know, you want to push for it, like, what does that ultimately mean? Like, did, did they, right. they really, would they really prefer to gun for the 10 spot in the East as opposed to, you know, giving themselves a, a one in three shot at, at landing women Yama? Well, exactly. I mean, I, it's not like I'm delusional enough to think that their, uh, that their ceiling is, is to make it a couple of right. rounds into the, uh, through the Eastern conference bracket. But I think you, you don't really know until you put all those bodies out there. And it feels yeah. like these timelines for injuries are being extended I'm at the game last night and I'm looking at the bench and I'm like, this is a decent NBA starting lineup. That's on yeah. the bench and street clothes right now. Cole, Anthony, Gary Harris, Jonathan, Isaac, Paolo Bancaro, and all of these guys. I mean, I understand for Markel Fultz uh, in that mix as well. So it's just, it's frustrating because yeah. I like the roster that they've built, but we haven't seen these guys actually play basketball together. Right. And I don't think you truly know what you have and how the, how the full build should go. It looks like you have something in Palo, but what else do you have? How else should this team yeah. be built? You don't know until those guys get back out onto the floor and until they sort of force that issue and say, hey, look, you've been ramping up for a while now. I think it's time we give it a go. These teams are just, and it's not just the magic. We see this with other NBA teams. They're just oh, so yeah. cautious when it comes to injuries. And I think when you're in the, like I'm in the weeds, you know, so like I, game to game, when I see that injury report, it's like a good gut punch to me because I need to see what this yep. looks like for my own curiosity. It's been brutal for fantasy. I mean, that goes without oh, saying, God, yeah. I, you know, I, I was really optimistic, overly optimistic. It turns out that things would standardize this year. You know, we're, we're a couple of years removed from the bubble. These last couple of years, you could say, well, you know, the, the schedule was all messed up. Teams didn't really have a full off season. It was justifiable to, to see guys resting, to have these injury timetables extended. But I thought this would be the year that it, it kind of goes back to what we were used to. And it feels worse than ever, man. Like we, the, the nice thing, I guess, is we haven't had that, that major injury, you know, like no star has torn his ACL or anything like that. But it feels like if you're playing fantasy basketball and you have multiple teams like I do, and, and I assume you do as well, like week to week, it's just extremely frustrating. You know, Bam Adebayo all of a sudden is missing two games. Fred Van Vliet misses four games with an illness. Like nobody seems to be immune uh, to, to what's going on around the league. And I, I think teams like Orlando, um, you know, those teams have even more of an incentive, like you said, to extend those injury timetables. I want to ask you about a few guys individually on this roster. And I feel like we need to start with Bancaro. We're kind of catching him at a bad time. Like you said, yeah. uh, he didn't play last night. That's four absences in a row, but 
prior to that, you know, had the fantastic start to the year, had back-to-back 30-point games before suffering that injury against the Rockets on November 7th. I, I've been blown away by Bancaro. I, I was I was a little iffy, you know, coming out of Duke. I, I, I wasn't sure that, you know, he was the, the runaway number one pick, and obviously teams weren't either. I was on record saying I would have taken Chet Holmgren. I, I think, to me, he looks like a completely different player now than he was at the end of the season for Duke. Physically, he looks more confident. He looks like he's in better shape. He looks like he's grown a little bit. I, I mean, I've, I've been really, really impressed with Bancaro all around. Uh, I couldn't agree more, and I <laughs> we look like idiots now, but I was I was preaching the same thing to Magic fans. I was saying, look, I think this – I think the guys that are in charge covet what Chet Holmgren brings to the table with the versatility, the defense, the wingspan, all of that stuff. They've been drafting it again and again and again, and then even trading for it with Bull Bull. Like they, the the blueprint is there for who they're going to take. And I have, I'm okay selling myself on Chet Holmgren. That was the consistent message day after day on my daily radio show. And then they draft Palo, and of course. We couldn't be happier. Look at those top three consensus picks. Jabari Smith shooting like 30% from the field, which is what he's supposed to do well. And then Chet Holmgren's not playing. Talk about a despondent franchise. If the Magic were to have taken Chet Holmgren and he misses the entire season before ever playing a game, I shudder to think what that would look like in this town. For for OKC, I feel like it's perfect. Like This gave them the, the perfect out to tank again. Oh, for sure. And uh, they clearly have a full-blown star and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh God, yeah. They get a second overall pick back next year. So it's kind of like drafting second overall along with whatever pick they end up with. Exactly. So OKC is in a really good spot and they've been really overperforming here out of the gate. But how could you not be in love with what you've seen from Palo? The numbers that he's put up early in his career are LeBron James-esque. And that's not even an exaggeration. I mean, he actually surpassed LeBron in terms of um, consecutive games to start your career with over 20 points. So he's uh, he's a consistent f- force of offense, and he's not somebody that forces it from from three. So this is a guy that is really working for his baskets. He can take guys off the dribble. He can drive the lane. He's not scared of anybody that he goes up against, and he's and he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a great distributor too. So he gets his teammates involved. Part of the reason why I want to see those guys out there. I think he's the type of player that not only can make himself look good in ISO but he can also make the players around him better. And so he's the exact type of player that any team needs, but certainly a roster like this. The NBA is back. On behalf of Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team beat every other team live and in person to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Vivid Seats believes that real fans deserve to be rewarded and that you deserve a ticketing platform that not only makes it easy to find great deals, but also rewards you all season long. Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards with every purchase. No one else has that. They even have a 100% buyer guarantee that your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today and use our promo code ROTOWIRE for $10 off your first purchase of at least $100. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O, W-I-R-E for $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up LeBron in comparison. And, you know, if you dig in on the numbers, like that that Cavs team that LeBron came into the league on, like they were averaging like 90 points per game. Like it was a completely different ball game back then. And I don't for think sure. Bancaro is, is quite on that level. But in terms of watching him, like 
LeBron is the guy who I think he plays like most. And it's a cop that you don't like throwing out there. You know, it's like, you can't compare anybody to LeBron. You can't compare anybody to Michael Jordan, but in terms of play style, that's who he reminds me of most. I think he's a blend of a lot of different guys. I thought at Duke, he was kind of more of a Julius Randall type, but I think he's shown that he is much more comfortable on the ball as a playmaker. And even like his jump shot looks like LeBron's jumper. Right. And that's why he, it really, it's hard to come up with the perfect comp for Paolo Bancaro because you don't want to compare anybody to LeBron. Like you said, it yep. just seems egregious to do that. We were talking about a top, even if you wanted to be uh passive with your LeBron love, a, a top three player all time in the NBA. Right. So that, it's, it, that's tough, but Julius Randall, that's like a diss to Paolo Bancaro. He's so I much know. better than Julius Randall. Randall is so much more well-rounded. I see a little bit of Carl Malone in his game too. And mm. just that sort of natural offensive skill and the size that he's coming into the league with. And it's incredible. Right. We're talking about a guy that's 19 years old. His birthday is in November, so he could be 20 any day now. Don't quote me on that. But we're still talking about somebody that's just so young, and he's not raw. We always talk about players that get drafted at the top. We go, yeah, he's really good, but he's raw. Paolo's not. I mean, this guy, it just his his basketball IQ is through the roof, and and he looks the part. So we're talking about a guy that if he's able to get back out onto the floor, I think we're having a legit conversation about Paolo as an Eastern Conference All-Star which is just yeah. wild to think in the first year, first half year of your NBA career. No, I don't think that's an exaggeration. We'll see how many games he ends up playing. I mean, it's going to be tough. There's, you know, teams like Boston, Milwaukee, those guys might be, you know, they might have two. Cleveland might have three all-stars this year. Um, and it's tough as a rookie, you know, historically to, to make that game. But I mean, the numbers uh, are going to bear it out. What are we looking at once Markel Fultz is back, once Cole Anthony is back, what kind of split are we going to see at point guard with this team between Fultz, Suggs, and Cole Anthony? Like, how are those three guys going to coexist? That is a great question. I think ideally you want Jalen Suggs to be the point guard of the future. The problem is, is that he's just so turnover prone. He does a lot of things that you really like, but he's inconsistent and he turns the ball over way too much. He throws these hazard passes in the middle of games that just have me slamming my head on tables. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you've got to cut that down. That's something where I think Markel Fultz would help a lot with, but Markel isn't going to pull up from three and knock him down like Jalen Suggs can. And that, and that's not a huge part of Jalen's game, but it's something that he can do. Markel Fultz isn't even going to attempt that his mid range game has gotten better over the last couple of seasons. Well, he's a guy that I think you've got to insert into that starting lineup because he, he's a caretaker of the basketball and he can activate other guys as long as you have players that can shoot, which is the biggest problem that this team faces right now. But he'd be the starter. I think Jalen Suggs probably plays at the two, and then Cole Anthony is that spark plug that's generating offense off the bench. That That is probably the way that this shakes out between those three guys. What about Jonathan Isaac? Uh, it's been years since we've heard from uh, the pastor himself. Um, I mean, it, it's, he's been in the headlines for things other than basketball over the last few years, but he's still on this roster. Uh, I mean, for fantasy purposes, before he got hurt with this latest injury, I uh, was having a historic defensive season, you know, kind of yeah. Sean Marion-esque uh, in a lot of, uh, you know, you're like 2.3 blocks per game, 1.6 deals per game. Like those are, those are elite, elite numbers. And, you know, with him, it's always been, you know, he had the one season that he was healthy in 18, 19, he's always shown flashes. And, and at this point, you know, with the amount of injuries in, in this quick of succession, you just have to wonder, you know, what the long-term viability is here, but what is your read on Isaac? When, when do we potentially see him this season? 
That is the biggest question mark of all the question marks. I wish I could come up with an answer for that. I don't have it. It will be a shock to us all whenever he comes back. At this point, Jonathan Isaac is sort of viewed like uh, gravy. You know, like if he comes back, great. If not, it wouldn't shock me one bit if I never see him play basketball again. Because I just don't, we just don't know. We haven't been given any update on any sort of timeline. It's extended way past what anybody thought. We're talking about somebody we haven't seen play basketball at a competitive level since the bubble. The bubble feels yeah. like it was a decade ago, you know. So it's we we're waiting quite a while for this. He has been, uh, he has been practicing with the team. He's been ramping up, and so from all reports, he looks good out there. It's just a matter of getting back to that NBA level of conditioning. And I think it takes this homestand probably helped a lot because the team stayed in town and he's able to run up and down the floor with his teammates. And I think that will help him get back into NBA shape. I just don't know when the team is going to feel comfortable giving the thumbs up that he's ready to go. I have no idea. And I don't really think he's all that viable in fantasy moving forward because I don't think he'll ever get starter minutes again with this team. Maybe in the future, if he moves on elsewhere, but we're talking about a front line that's already pretty set with Paolo, Franz, and Wendell Carter. And given his injury history, they're not going to ever really push it with Jonathan Isaac's minutes. So this is a guy that can be a defensive stopper coming off of the bench. I don't think we'll ever see the numbers that he put up in that historic year because he just I don't think he's ever going to get the minutes on this team uh, as it's currently constructed. Yeah, I know he's quite a quite a bit younger still than this guy, but he's, he's kind of in the DeMarcus Cousins zone for fantasy where, you know, after Cousins had that devastating Achilles uh, with the Pelicans, it's like every time he would sign with a team, you're like, okay, here we go. He's here back. We go, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, ah, all right, well, 20 games later, he's playing 15 minutes off the bench or he's missing every other game. Like it, it just, yeah, I would be, I wouldn't be shocked if Jonathan Isaac, you know, has a season where he plays in 50 games. I would be shocked if he's ever, you know, a top 75 fantasy player at this point. I think, you know, physically, he just has to be so diminished. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life A Quarter Mile At A Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is the Bull Bull experience been like? Uh, covering that guy, I mean, watching from afar, like Bull Bull is obviously kind of a, like a cult hero in NBA circles. Everybody loved him in, in high school and college at Oregon. Uh, he too has gone through a ton of injuries, but it, you know, obviously he's playing really well. I, I'm glad that a team is finally giving him that opportunity and that he's staying healthy. But what, what is this guy like off the court? That is almost what I'm more curious about. Like every photo I've ever seen of Bull Bull is like a scowl. Uh, he, he wears weird clothes. Like he doesn't really seem like he opens up to anybody. Like what is this guy? Is that all some sort of a front or is he just a weird dude? No, I mean, he's, uh, he's got sort of like a dry sense of humor. He's a lot, he's a lot more funny than I, I would have, um, that I would have thought before I ever had a chance to talk to him. So he is a, he is a unique personality and just on the basketball court, we're talking about a guy that's an absolute unicorn. We didn't know what to expect because they traded for him. And then he was just sort of like, it was like a cloak of, of secrecy around right. what is bull bull. Like we weren't even ever sure if he was going to suit up for this team. We were at magic media day and I had a chance to chat with Jeff Weltman off to the side. And, and right before I wrapped up just to, you know, you try and extract some like information out of these guys and see if they'll drop a little nugget to you before you walk away, not on the air or anything. And he goes, watch out for bowl bowl this season. And I was like, okay. okay. And he said it with this sort of like sheepish grin where he just knew like there's, they're cooking up something here. And it is, I has exceeded the expectations that I had oh, yeah. coming into the year after being dropped that nugget of, you know, this could be a special year for him. It seems like every time he's out on the floor, he sets some new career high. He did it again last night yep. uh, with points scored, which by the way, was done on his birthday. So that's such a bowl bowl thing because he's the most interesting man in the world, right? He's a top 50 fantasy player right now as well. I mean, like, like I said, he I, was I feel a like steal. He's... I mean, where was he drafted? You know, uh, I know that in my leagues here, he was drafted way higher than his ADP because. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant real NBA draft. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't. I mean, he wasn't even being drafted in yeah. any league that I was playing in. I, I think he, like I said, he's kind of this cult hero guy that nobody ever has real expectations for. And I, I think 
you know, it was probably a, a blessing and a curse to be in Denver these previous three years where, you, you know, you can you can watch and learn from Nikola Jokic. You could play with a, a bunch of talented guys. But I, I think Denver had too high of expectations to ever really throw them out there. Like you would see the glimpses every now and then, you know, they'd have a bunch of guys out and all of a sudden Bull Bull would start and play 28 minutes and he'd have a huge game and then he'd be buried for the rest of the season. But I, I think Orlando is one of the few landing spots where they could say, look, yeah, we, we could throw you out there 26 to 30 minutes a night and see what happens. I mean, do you get the sense that they view him as part of this core or is this kind of a one year wait and see and we'll reevaluate at the end of the season type of experiment? I think that was the thought process going into the season. I don't see how they can't, how they could not have shifted their mindset with bull bull based on the way he's played. One thing he does need to clean up. He turns the ball over way too much. He's oh, yeah. careless with the basketball. Like he thinks he can pass like Nikola Jokic and he doesn't. And, and that leads to, He's, he has some of these baseball passes down the court that just make you scratch your head. Last few games, four turnovers, six, three, two, three. And so, and he's got another six turnover games somewhere in the month of November. So we're talking about a guy that just sometimes has trouble hanging onto the ball, but you're also talking about a seven footer with his wingspan and uh, size that can take the ball up the floor and it takes him what, two, three steps to get to where he needs to be. So he's a special player. He can knock down threes. He's aggressive in the paint, great rebounder. And I, the thing that impresses me the most that doesn't show up on the stat sheet is when he takes on uh, a shooter and just puts his hand up. He doesn't always block the shot, but he always affects the shot. And he throws so many players off their game with that big hand in the sky. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think probably keeps him around the longest because he he brings a sort of, because of that ability that you just can't teach on defense, that'll keep him on the floor. And, and I'd be shocked if he wasn't part of this team moving forward. And he's so cheap, too. We're talking about a guy, I, right. I think he gets paid like two mil a year. So he's the best bargain in the league right now. Yeah, I think he's still on that second rounder rookie deal. So I think after this year, they'll have to make uh, some sort of decision there, but not a guy who you would imagine is going to cost all that much unless he really keeps this up. I think, I think the, the question for me is what happens if you end up with Victor Wembenyama? Yeah, because, because then Wendell Carter's part of the, you know, what what happens. That's the only thing that I would think would throw off any sort of bull bull future with right. the Orlando Magic, because then they'd go, oh, we have an even better unicorn. So we don't need this other one anymore. I think that'd be the only thing that would kind of throw them off the trail. I think they're okay with that. Like bull bull becoming yes. expendable because you land Victor Wembanyama. Like that's uh, that, that's all, something you just have all, to live yeah. with in that scenario. We'd all sign up um, for that. And look, we, to go back to the whole like, what do you want this season to be? If you promised me that Victor Wembanyama was the guy at the end of the year, and you and you get the first overall pick again, I'd sign up for whatever version of whatever yeah. we're seeing. I just think it's really tough ask. A lot of teams are going to be vying as the season goes along. Right. I know the Spurs have been a nice story, and the Jazz, and even the Thunder. There are going to be a lot of teams that come the darkest of winter do some pretty sketchy things to get the top pick, but you're just not guaranteed the top pick. 14% for the top for the bottom three. Yes. You know, it's just not that high a percentage. To and then and then it only changes by like it was like 10%, 8%. Right. So I mean, it it's really rare, no matter where you fall, that you're the team that lands the top spot. So I think you just have to like put that out of your mind and it's like winning the lottery. Like if it happened, I mean, literally, literally, that's what it's called. <laughs> but 
<laughs> you just have to think like if it happens it happens but i can't i can't think like that can't be my strategy yeah. because if that's all you're going for and it doesn't happen then what are you left with well i think some teams will tell you hey we're left with scoot henderson at number two and that's actually all well and you know good, honestly but... for for this magic team they probably need scoot more than they need Wimbenyama. yeah right well, you know, I'm glad you brought up the the concept of tanking in general because that has been my stance on this as well. Like I, I know before the year, it felt like there was this internal panic around the NBA. You know, Adam Silver sent out a memo about tanking, and it's like, is it really worth it? This is not the NFL. You don't if you go one in fifteen in the NFL, you get the number one pick, and that's that. You know, like the Houston Texans, they're going to have Bryce Young on their roster next year if they want him. But yeah. like the team that finished with the worst record last year was the Houston Rockets. They picked third, and they got a guy who's shooting thirty percent from the field right now and Jabari Smith. So that like, to me, that, that was always, those fears were always a little bit overblown just because of the, the smoothing of the lottery. I, I think before they changed the odds, sure. I, I could see it. it makes sense to finish with the worst record, but you know, I think for these teams like Orlando and Charlotte and OKC, like they're going to be bad anyway, whatever, that's fine. But I don't, I don't see teams like Indiana, Washington. Um, I'm trying to think other teams are in the middle, like Chicago, Sacramento, like those teams, like going from legitimate, uh, play in or potential playoff contender all the way down just to give yourself that 14.3% chance at Wembenyama. Like it's not enough of a, of a sweetener for me. No, it, it's not. And then think of what you have to do organizationally in order yep. to make that happen. I think that it causes more harm than good. And we have enough examples before I even say this, let me be very clear. You need talent at the highest level in order to win in the NBA. And if that's the way that you get it, then good for you. That's how the Cavs get, uh, became relevant with LeBron James years ago. The Magic have done it several times in their existence. So it's not like you can't do it that way. But if you look perennially at the teams that are at the top of this league, they are teams that simply try and win their very best. That's it. It's that simple. Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Phoenix, um, Golden State's the best example, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, these teams, maybe they land the top pick, but they're not perennially going after it. What they're going after, Miami. I think the Miami Heat, like, what, yep. what, what's the best pick? Their entire roster last year was either late first round or second round right. or undrafted guys. Just putting your best foot forward, creating that winning culture, and then what happens is when those players, they get drafted by bad teams or tired of it, they can't wait to play for you. I think that that's more times than not the attitude that you have to have. Now, if you have a bad team one year and you're like, eh, we're going to blow it up and we're, yeah, hope we get the top pick, which is what the Magic did. I was perfectly on board for that. And it worked, but you got to get out of that. It's kind of like, you know, like running into a hazard zone to like pick up a diamond and yep. then, and then you get it. And then you want to run back in to get another one. No, 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 no. You got one. Okay. So just be happy with that and leave. Get out before things get bad. Well, I think the Sixers are the best example of that, right? I mean, they they went as hard in the tank as anybody. They they got their picks. They burned one of them on Jalil Okafor. They burned one of them on Michael Carter-Williams. Um, you know, obviously, Embiid was a hit, but it's like, if you go that hard into the process for essentially a full five years, half a decade you're dedicating to improving your team for the future, and what, what do they have to show for it? You know, I, I don't... I know you, I don't want to make like the karma argument, but you know, I, I think what you're saying is like the teams that have done it the right way, they, they kind of find their way into success. You know, it, maybe yeah. it's trades, maybe it's free agents, maybe it's landing someone like Giannis in the late lottery. Um, you know, you can't just bank on, on like good karma for, for doing it the right way by any means. But I also don't think there's, there's a, a lot of proven success with, with going to the other extreme. 
Absolutely not. I mean, San Antonio is a good example of what I'm talking about because they have bottomed out just sort of by chance a couple of times in their existence. It's worked out great for them. And then they get right back to it. I guarantee next yep. year, San Antonio puts the full court press on being a good basketball team. They're not going to do this multiple seasons. It makes sense. This year, move off of DeJounte Murray, see what you end up with. And then next year, no matter who you end up with, then you get right back to it. But you just can't because there's no there are no examples. Maybe Philadelphia, maybe. But even they don't have like a full roster of those guys that they can show and go, okay, we, we tanked for five years. Look at our team now. It doesn't work like that. It just simply does not work like that. There's not one example in the NBA of a team that went, we bottomed out for five years and now we're amazing. That's not how dynasties are no. built. Not at all. And look, I mean, if you just look anecdotally at, you know, if you make a list of the top 20 players in the league, it's not like all those guys were picked in the top three. You know, it's like the best player in the league might be a second round pick in Jokic. You know, Giannis, not a top 10 pick. Uh, Steph Curry, you know, kind of mid-lottery. Uh, Luka Doncic, not the number one overall pick. Like the, the hit rate on these guys doesn't necessarily line up with the amount of attention that is paid to specifically getting the number one pick. Especially when you consider that the guys, I still think if you did the math on what who we view as the top 50 players in the league, a higher percentage of them were drafted in the top three is usually the margin, sure. you know, like Luca, you know, Jason Tatum. Yep. So I think that you, uh, the math would still bear out where you go. Okay. You still have a better chance of finding that guy if you're picking top three, but also, uh, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything. So I think that that's all sort of part of the equation. Yeah, it's very rare in any draft class, even even the best classes, that all three of the top three picks end up being hits. You know, if you want to say like, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at 2018, for example. It's like DeAndre Ayton. Okay, that looks fine. Shouldn't have gone number one, but he's fine. Number two, Marvin Bagley. Massive bust. Number three, Luka Doncic. You know, 2019, Zion Morant, RJ Barrett. You know, one of those is clearly weaker than the others. Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum. You know, like it's just like you said, you want to be in that top three, but there's no guarantees when you get there. There's no perfect draft class where everybody in the top 10 is just going to end up working out. Um, all right. We got a, a few more minutes here, Brandon, and then we got to drop off, but I, I want to throw some rapid fire uh, NBA futures questions at you. And we'll, we'll start with rookie of the year, because of course, Paolo Bancaro, uh, despite missing, uh, it's going to be five games in a row, by the way, I just got an alert that he's already been ruled out for their game tomorrow. Although Gary Harris is probable. So we, we might wow. finally see the debut. I told you Gary, Gary was Harris. looking good out there. Yeah. They, they must yeah. be listening live here. Um, <laughs> Paolo Beccaro is minus 750 to win rookie of the year. That's that crazy. Is, that's as big of a favorite as I can remember at yeah. this point in the season. And you know, Ivy's playing well, Mathurin's playing well, Keegan Murray's playing. Okay. Is this over already? Like as long as Beccaro doesn't suffer some sort of major injury and, and miss half the year, like, it feels like he's already running away with this. That's why I'm surprised that the, the juice is so big on that because Palo's not playing right now and the magic have been sort of, uh, you know, I don't know. They've looked a little bit sketchy in the way that they've handled yeah. a couple of these things over the last week. So I'm surprised. I'm not surprised he's favored. I'm just surprised he's, they're basically saying, don't ever bet this. You're not going to, we're not giving no. you anything. And, and the fact that he's not the only rookie that's performing really well. Benedict Matherin has been phenomenal as of late, averaging 19, three and two on the year. And I, he, he's in line for multiple awards because if Paolo doesn't play enough games, he could win rookie of the year. He could win six man of the year, the way he's playing yeah. right now. He's the guy I think I would bet on for value. Like you're, there's just nothing at plus seven fifty. No, of you course know, not. I, I don't. I don't really understand why anybody would put money on that. But 
Matherin is the guy who you, I think you could see, you know, they're going to trade Buddy Heald at some point. I don't think Matherin plays the entire year off the bench. And right now he's only averaging like 27 minutes a game. Like I, I mean, you could totally see him averaging close to 35 minutes a game over the second half of the year. And I think those scoring numbers are going to rise, uh, you know, in accordance with that. He's also shooting like 46% from three. Uh, so at some point that's going to come down, but um, you know, honestly, the rest of these guys, like I, I like Ivy, I like Murray, I like Shaden Sharp, but like they're not having rookie of the year caliber seasons. Like it, it kind of feels like it's already a, a one and a half man race between Bancaro and Matherin. What about most approved player? Like nobody, nobody really talks about this race as much as you do rookie of the year or MVP. But I think this has been the most fun to follow the last couple of seasons because we have so much young ascending talent around the league. Like there's not a single team that just that has no hope that has like nobody on the roster who, who could be good in three yeah. to five years. Like everybody has somebody, even the bad teams. SGA seems to be kind of running away with this right now. Understandably, he's minus 130 uh, over at DraftKings. No one else is lower than eight to one. But, you know, you, you can see SGA getting shut down. He's been injury prone. I, I don't think that's a lock. Um, in terms of value, is there anybody else on that list that, that that's appealing to you? You know, marking in Maxi, Halliburton, Bain, guys like that. How about Bull Bull? 40 to one. Yeah, I mean, you want value. He's got, like I said, career highs in pretty much every game that he plays. He's been a key source of, of offense and defense for this magic team. So if you want value, he's 40 to one right now that, yeah, I mean, but the problem is, is that I, I don't like the way that this award is, is given out because the way that it's looked the last couple of years is that it's, it's not so much most improved from, I think of most improved as like your floor was so low you were irrelevant and now you're a really good basketball player though. The award has really become you're too young to win MVP. So here's this award instead. And that's what like Shea Gillages Alexander was already a good basketball player. What are we talking about? Most he's improved, but like, I don't think there's enough of a gap there. Bull bull went from who was, who's that again to now he's a, a relevant everyday player that's putting up ridiculous stat lines and points, blocks, and rebounds. That to me is most improved. And it doesn't have to be him, but players like that are who I think of as most improved. Yeah. Historically, at least the last decade or so, it's been who goes from borderline star to all star. Right. You know, it's exactly. been Brandon Ingram, Giannis, Oladipo. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler won it. Paul George has won it. Uh, guys who are already relevant. So it's for the, uh, for the wrestling crowd out there, it's the, it's the Intercontinental Championship. That's what this is. <laughs> It's the championship before the championship. <laughs> All right. We got time for one more quick one. Uh, we're going to NBA title odds. Um, I, it's no fun to bet on the Celtics or the Bucks or the Warriors. Those teams are all seven to one or lower. Um, I, I feel like the Western Conference is, is as wide open as it's been in a while. I, I still like the Warriors. I, I think they'll figure it out. That's a team that I would not want to face in the playoffs. But it feels like the door it might be cracked open for teams like Memphis, teams like Denver, maybe even Dallas. They're all 17, 18 to one. If you were just looking at value right now, what title bet would you want to make? In specifically the Western Conference? Uh, either one. Either one. So I, I said before the season, and I still feel pretty good about it, uh, definitely better on one side than the other. I have the all-Avs finals, so I have Cavs-Mavs finals this year. I love the additions that the Cavs made, and Donovan Mitchell has been working out tremendously for that team. I actually had a few an Eastern Conference champion futures on them last year, and I just kind of wish I could like roll that over into this year because I was a year too soon on it. Mm -hmm. I love that team. I, I love their scoring, their defense, their coaching. They just seem like they have a good vibe about them, so I could see them coming out of the East. 
feel much better about that than what I'm about to tell you with the Dallas Mavericks because they are very much a one-man show with Luka Doncic. But that one man is so phenomenal. At some point, he's going to have that sort of Allen Iverson year where he or, or LeBron where he's just so good. He takes a team that would be a lottery team without him to an NBA Finals. And if it's going to happen, this kind of feels like the year where it would because the Western Conference has yep. sort of evened out. So I think they they still need to make a deal at the deadline, but they're aggressive. Mark Cuban's not afraid to make a deal. Uh, and, and so I think that I could see Dallas making one more move. I love the, the addition of Christian Wood in the offseason. So for value, they're 20 to 1 right now. I feel okay about them, feel much better about Cleveland. Yeah, I'm with you on the maps. They're a move away, but this this could be their you know 2018 LeBron Cavs uh, type of run where it just feels like things kind of open up for them in that conference. And you mentioned the Cavs, JB Bickerstaff, eleven to one for Coach of the Year. By the way, I, I would be locking that one in uh, right now. It's it's going to be a tough field, but I think that's really good value. All right, we got to get out of here, man. You got to jump on the radio. Uh, I got to go do a different show. Uh, but Brandon, we really really appreciate you popping on the show, and we will absolutely be doing this again uh, at some point in the near future. I could talk basketball with you all day, Nick. I really appreciate you having me. It's been a lot of fun. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.